0: Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. After we finished last week's show with Arthur Milnes, we continued our chat specifically some great stories about his interaction with Prime Ministers, a U.S. President, and a lot of tree planting in his backyard. Here's part two of that conversation. So, Arthur, welcome back to the program.
1: It's been a long time, hasn't it?
0: I know, I know. And I guess we'll begin by getting you to give us a little bit of background as to how you got all that help with the gardening in your back and front yard.
1: Well, uh, basically, I learned a long time ago in my life, that uh, you never know w- what you'll get until you ask. And since I was a kid, uh, my interest has been uh, prime ministers of Canada and US presidents. So when I was young in high school, if a political issue concerned me, I would write a letter. And uh, as a young man, you have to give full credit to uh, uh, Canada's political leaders in the 1980s. Uh, I once wrote to Pierre Trudeau uh, about some concern, and he phoned me, (laughs) which is pretty heady stuff when you're 17. And uh, I still remember we were having dinner at my parents' house, and the phone rang, and I jumped up and grabbed it. And uh, all of a sudden I started saying, yes, sir, no, sir, and all this, and yes, sir. And I got off the phone, and my mother said, who is that? And I said, oh. It was Pierre Trudeau calling. He wants me to have coffee with him in Montreal next week. (laughs) And my mother looked at me. I can see her eyes. She's been passed for a long time. I can still see it like yesterday. She looked at me. We were still eating dinner, and she said, we have to get you a suit. uh and she took me right over to Bray Mall in Scarborough and bought me a suit at Tip Top Tailors. So that's what I wore when I walked into Pierre Trudeau's office. Uh, he gave me about uh, an hour of his time, uh, which really? is pretty incredible for a 17-year-old and uh, fully to Mr. Trudeau's credit. And in the same period, uh, Brian Mulroney, I got to meet with him, John Turner, Ed Broadbent, uh, you name it. And uh, I always tell young people today that particularly in an age where everybody sends emails, um, uh, write a snail mail letter Mm -hmm. because they're so rare now they get through, right? And um, when I worked for Brian Mulroney on his memoirs, when my friends found out, um, quite often uh, uh, school kids study Prime Minister of Canada in the grade five unit. And I had four or five times where parents would come to me and say, Hey, Art, my son's doing a project on Brian Mulroney. Any way you could help? And sure enough, all over Kingston, four or five times, kids would get phone calls from the 18th prime minister at home and uh, he would help them with their projects.
0: Do you have a sense as to why Pierre Trudeau uh, gave you a call after receiving that letter? What was it in the letter that uh, sort of got him interested in talking to you?
1: I don't know uh, exactly, except that uh, this was the mid '80s, and I was a young person, very, very uh, concerned about the Cold War mm-hmm. and the possibility of nuclear war. And I wrote to him. I, I wrote to him uh, quite passionately. I can't find the letter. Uh, the National Archives, a year or so ago. They went into his papers and they found five or six other letters I had sent to him, but not that one. So, uh, again, totally to Mr. Trudeau's credit, because things like that for a young person uh, are life changing. And it sure had a uh, profound impact on me.
0: So writing for um, you is something that goes way back.
1: Oh, yeah. My first letter I wrote to the Queen when I was in grade three. I watched a uh, documentary with my parents down in the basement in Scarborough one night, and they were talking about the Humane Society in London, England, uh, putting to sleep all these stray dogs. And I became furious, and my father, just casually probably, though I took it as a huge uh, order from dad, he said, oh, well, why don't you write the Queen? So I did. (laughs) And a few weeks later, I got this big package back from Buckingham Palace. So uh, full credit to Her Majesty as well.
0: Jeez. Okay, let's go into your backyard. The idea of planting trees came from where?
1: My guess is, I honestly don't know, Dave. Well, my guess is, uh, being a uh, political history junkie, again, starting when I was very young, I remember reading about John F. Kennedy planting a tree at Rideau Hall in Ottawa while on a uh, state visit to Canada. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I found that very interesting, and I read more about it, and apparently all distinguished visitors to uh, the Governor General's residence are invited to plant a tree. So I think that, you know, cliche, I think that planted an idea in my head.
0: Now, the business of uh, planting trees in your backyard started in 2006, I believe, with John Turner?
1: Oh, yes, and... uh Mr. Turner was my first. I've been uh, had the privilege to know Mr. Turner for many, many years uh, as a reporter. And when I was working at the Whig Standard, uh, Mr. Turner, I found out a friend of mine, spotted him at Kingston's Via Station, hailing down a cab. And I was angry about that, because in the world I come from, I don't want to sound arrogant, but a former prime minister has come to my city, they don't, they don't, uh, hail cabs. Uh, I go pick them up. So mm-hmm. I found out that Mr. Turner came to Kingston once a year for board meetings at empire life. So I waited a year and I phoned him and I said, Mr. Turner, I hear you're coming to Kingston next week. He said, yes, I am. And I said, well, how about I pick you up and then we'll, you know, we'll go to a bar and have a drink or something like that. And he said, sure. So I went out and a friend of mine worked at a local car rental place. I told him what I was doing. So they gave me for free this massive, massive red convertible. So with that, I went off to uh, to pick up the 17th Prime Minister of Canada, a Liberal, and we got out to the car and Mr. Turner admired it. And then he said, Arthur Mills, he said you're not still working at the Whig Standard if you can afford this thing. (laughs) So then uh, I put him in my car and we went driving through the streets of Kingston. It was a very cool experience. And he he made a lot of requests about, he would say, turn right here and we'd go past the prison. And he would tell me stories about uh, his work as solicitor general with uh, Kingston Penitentiary. And then we go by Queens and, He talked about the Kingston Conference of the Liberal Party in 1960. And anyway, to make a long story short, so then we uh, went to a restaurant and uh, just sat, and and he told me war stories for a couple of hours. And it was just an incredible experience for me. And so after that, probably two years later, um, I was, you know, it now became an annual thing, and Mr. Turner would actually phone me. (laughs) and and say, I'm coming to town Tuesday, right? And uh, uh, off I would go and get him. And then one day, I was going to see Mr. Turner to pick him up at Via. It was probably two days before, and I said to my wife, I said, Allison, I have a crazy idea. And she says, what's that? And I told her about the trees at Rideau Hall. And I said, what if I asked Mr. Turner to plant a tree in our garden?" And Allison laughed, probably not thinking I would follow through. So anyway, to make a long story short, I went to uh, a local company that produces plaques. And I had a plaque made up. And I can still quote it because all of my trees say the exact same thing. This tree was planted by the Right Honorable John N. Turner, 17th Prime Minister of Canada, and the date. But he hadn't agreed yet. So I went to pick him up. And uh, we were driving along and I said, sir, I have a crazy request for you. And he said, what's that, Arthur? I said, instead of going to a restaurant, why don't we go to my house? I've got a bottle of scotch for us and I want you to plant a tree in my garden. And he said, what? And I said, yeah, I want you to plant a tree. And he looked at me and he said, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided then and there that I would try to get every living Prime Minister of Canada to come to my house and plant a tree.
0: Do you remember what kind of tree it was?
1: Mr. Turner's, yes. Uh, I'm just looking at it now. It's a uh, smoke tree. And boy, does it like the spot I chose. Or it's a liberal and loves John Turner. (laughs) And uh, it has been growing and growing. And it's it's, uh, one of the highlights of my garden. Every year I send a picture to all the prime ministers to show them how their trees are doing.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So how did you get the next person to agree to come over to your house? Did you use John Turner as the example?
1: Yes. I, uh, the next person was three or four years later. I read in the paper that Paul Martin was coming to Kingston to receive an honorary degree. So I phoned him and, uh, I didn't know Mr. Martin that well, but I knew him. Mr. Martin, and he came on the phone, and I said, "Sir, when you're in Kingston, you know next month, uh, would you mind coming over to my house and planting a tree?" And I said, "John Turner has already uh, has himself already planted a tree." So without hesitation, Mr. Martin said, "Boy, that would be fun," and uh, he gave me permission to invite all my neighbors and uh, my Allison's, uh, my wife Allison's, a grade five teacher. So she put the word out to her school kids and their families. And after the ceremony at Queens, uh, Mr. Martin came to my house. And the special part was that I got the Fort Henry guard to send an honor guard. So everybody was in the garden. And when Mr. Martin arrived, he was marched in by the Fort Henry guard. And my favorite part of that was before he came over to where his tree was to be planted, the honor guard and he all stopped at John Turner's tree and saluted Mr. Turner's tree. So it was a wonderful day. Uh, uh, All our neighbors got to meet the former prime minister and all the kids got to have their pictures taken. It was just a wonderful event. And again, totally to the credit of Mr. Martin, but Mr. Martin's interesting as well because uh, he has actually been back to visit his tree uh, three times since. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we always go take a picture uh, uh, to see his uh, uh, tree's progress. And uh, he's a, quite a wonderful man. And like me, he, he uh, 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 really loves history. And to go back to my letter writing, when I was younger, when I was a Queen student, I would obviously took politics and, and history. And there were a few times where I had Canadian politics essays. And I would write letters to the man who had the only living man who had served in four prime minister's cabinets, which was Paul Martin's father. And Mr. Martin would write me these lengthy responses. And again, that's pretty heavy stuff when you're in first year or second year university to be able to put in your footnotes, personal communication with the honorable Paul Martin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so I, I, uh, I've always felt a special kinship with the Martin family.
0: I have to get you to tell us how you became associated with Jimmy Carter and his wife, Rosalind, and how they came to stay in your house overnight when he was in town receiving an honorary, or both of them actually received honorary degrees from Queens. Tell us that story.
1: Well, again, it starts in high school, and I... For whatever reason, I out of the blue, I bought Jimmy Carter's memoirs, uh, Keeping Faith. And for whatever reason, it left me with this fascination with President Carter. And in my parents' house, my mother never spoke about politics, with one exception. And when he was president, my uh, mother would al- always say, she said it many times, that Jimmy Carter was a good and decent man and... Uh, My father as well. They both felt that with the Cold War going on, that to have a decent, honest man like Jimmy Carter, to have his finger on the West nuclear button, they felt safe. So that left me with this interest. And I would write to President Carter when I was young and I would get handwritten letters back. It was quite incredible. And then finally, about 20 years ago, I started to go once a year to Plains, Georgia, Uh, where he lives, a little isolated town in southwestern Georgia. And um, he always gave me interviews. And um, I would always only interview him about Canadian concerns and uh, his memories of his work with Joe Clark and Pierre Trudeau. So I guess we kind of hit it off. And uh, eventually I was doing political history research for uh, Tom Axworthy at Queen's University. So uh, we invented a – we created a series of books, and I uh, was quite honored. uh, I prepared a book called uh, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, a Canadian Tribute. And President Carter honored us by – he wrote the foreword. And then President Carter took it a step uh, further, and he phoned me one day here in Kingston, and he said, Arthur, if you'd like to have your book launch at the Jimmy Carter Historic Site, Uh, Rosalind and I would be honored to host you. So about a 100 of us went down uh, to Plains. And uh, as a result of my book, uh, the principal of Queens wanted to award President Mrs. Carter Carter honorary degrees. So um, I played a modest, modest role in that. And when the Carters accepted, I phoned President Carter and I said, I said, sir, um, I assume you're sick of hotels, so when you're here in Kingston, why don't you and Mrs. Carter just stay with Allison and I, and there'll be no mucky mucks, there'll be nobody comes over to the house, it'll just be uh, the four of us, and he said, I'll never forget, he said, thank God, because anybody in public life at that level is utterly sick of hotels.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, because yeah, they live in them. And the other thing unique to it, because a lot of my friends would say, how the heck did you get Jimmy Carter uh, to do this? Well, if you read about President and Mrs. Carter, when they ran for president in 75, 76, they had no money. So they would actually stay in people's homes. And their first large event at the White House, when Mr., when President Carter won, they had a big reception for all the people who had hosted them in their homes. <laughs> so it wasn't actually a strange thing for President and Mrs. Carter uh, to do. And obviously, I knew uh, I had to get a presidential and first lady tree planted. So I had lots of warning. So I contacted a local arborist. Um, he landscaped it, and we had these two trees. Well, here's the special part. I always encourage my tree planters to bring soil. Special soil. And and President Mrs. Carter brought a bucket of red Georgia clay. So that's uh, how we planted the
0: trees. (laughs) So I guess the question I would have, and I guess a lot of listeners would have too, is that when a president and his wife travel anywhere, even if it's a former president, there is always a retinue of Secret Service agents that accompany them. So um, (laughs) how did that happen with respect to your house and the Secret Service?
1: I can't remember the amount of agents, but it was a lot of them. And uh, they surrounded our house uh, all day and night. Uh, When the president and Mrs. Carter arrived at the house, they blocked the street. And when they left the next day to go down to Queens, they blocked the street. It was very exciting. And I made a point of telling the Secret Service, because they sent an advance team to my home a couple of weeks before, that the Secret Service were welcome to uh, perform their jobs they they were quite welcome to uh, stay inside our house mm-hmm. whereas often they uh, spend spend the night outside patrolling yeah so they were quite appreci- appreciative and then a nice little gesture um, just before the president mrs carter went down to queens the uh, lead agent asked the president if they could make a presentation to my wife and i And uh, they gave us the special Secret Service pins. And uh, as another uh, small tribute, which was wonderful, and not a tribute to us, a tribute to our country, every Secret Service agent uh, wore a Canadian flag pin. (laughs)
0: That was nice.
1: Yeah, very nice of them. They were a wonderful bunch. So when the Carters were here, the Carters uh, stayed on our top floor. Then the Secret Service occupied the... Uh, main floor of our house, and that night, Allison and I uh, slept in the basement.
0: So what did you serve for breakfast?
1: You know what? uh, I asked the Carters ahead of time, and it was very uh, nothing fancy, just uh, 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 Jimmy and Rosalind Carter have never forgotten where they came from. Uh, They're farmers, and uh, uh, it was fruit and bagels and a few things like that. Nothing special at all.
0: No peanut butter? I
1: can't remember. <laughs> you know what? I probably did because it was Jimmy Carter, of course. That's right. <laughs> in you know, Farmer. It. Now, it's one of those, one funny story is those moments in life where you regret not having a, uh, uh, a camera handy is uh, uh, we went down to the basement in the afternoon to have a fire. It was November and to have a glass of wine. And I took the president into my basement. And I had a large Jimmy Carter bobblehead. And (laughs) President Carter zeroed right in on it. And he picked it up and he said, Arthur, this is me. (laughs) And I didn't have a camera.
0: (laughs) Now, you have had other people plant trees in your backyard. And it's been a cross-section of political leaders on both sides of the aisle here -hmm. in Canada. And I'm curious because you are probably um, better known amongst a lot of people as a speech writer for um, Stephen Harper, and you Mm -hmm. worked on the memoirs of Brian Mulrooney, but you seem to be friends with people on both sides of the aisle. So would you consider yourself to be nonpartisan?
1: Yes. uh, I have partisan beliefs, Mm -hmm. but uh, in my work uh, in history, and in my previous work in journalism, for the most part, and there have been slip-ups, I uh, keep my own politics out of things. I um, respect the office of prime minister, uh, regardless of who's in it. I respect any single person who has had the courage and skill to get to that job. I um, think in my lifetime, we've been incredibly well served. And um, I study a lot of Canadian prime ministerial history, and I don't want to make uh, I don't want to be make it too uh, too big of a thing about this. But in recent years, a lot of our universities have simply stopped studying prime ministers. So I'm a pretty rare bird. So um, I've been quite lucky. Uh, um, I've known and uh, tr- been trusted by uh, all of our living prime ministers. I, I feel very special and lucky. Well.
0: Now, one story here that I think we'll have to wrap up with is the business of uh, all the trees are in the backyard, save one.
1: <laughs> yes. So <laughs> John Cretchen, uh who I've known for years, uh, he was coming to Kingston. So I phoned him and, and he phoned me back and he said, you know, he calls me the history guy and he said, hi, history guy. <laughs> and, uh, I told him I wanted him to plant a tree, and he said, what? And I said, yeah, I want you to plant a tree when you're in town uh, next week. And uh, he agreed, but then he said, who else has done it? So I named off the three, at that point, three other prime ministers who had planted trees in my backyard. And Mr. Kretchen said, I don't want to be around them. I want to be on your front lawn. As a result, his tree is by himself uh, on the front lawn. And before we go, since I'm on the radio, I want your listeners, and I want you, Dave, to send out a reminder to Justin Trudeau that he has yet, he is the only prime minister who hasn't planted a tree yet. We have his spot ready, and he has told me personally on three occasions that he will be coming over, and we're waiting.
0: Now, he's the only living prime minister that's not there yet, Right.
1: Exactly. But but I, he's told me, and Mark Gerritsen as well, has assured me that before Mr. Trudeau leaves office, he'll be in my backyard doing his duty for Canada and planting a tree in this special garden.
0: The the National Historic Site?
1: Yeah, I self-declared the house with all the powers uh, invested <laughs> in me. I put a plaque on the front of my house that says... Uh, here slept the 39th president of the United States. And then I give the dates. Uh, uh, People, when they make deliveries or the mailman, they just think it's hilarious, right? And I've actually, one time I came home and there was this true story and I came into my backyard uh, and there was a family in my yard looking at my tree plaques. (laughs) And and a neighbor had told them, so they just came over. So it's like a, uh, um, if I've always said that, if I get rich, and that hasn't happened yet, trust me, uh, you don't get rich if you want to go into history studies in Canada. No. Um, that uh, uh, someday I would hope that I would be able to leave the house to Queens or RMC as sort of a uh, study house for mm. political science or history students. But like I said, I haven't been ri- I haven't gotten rich yet, so.
0: Well, listen, Arthur, we have reached the end of another program, and I certainly love the stories, and I do appreciate your time.
1: Well, as you learned last time, you get me talking about this stuff, you know the true meaning of history.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Arthur. All the best. Thanks, Dave. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.